Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Is the landscape changing? What's happening with the shadow inventory? Can folks buy houses still? And does it make sense? That's what we're going to talk about today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real Real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We are in Atlanta, Georgia this weekend. Let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. How are you? I'm just fabulous. What a great weekend. We just uh, finished up. My voice is a little hoarse because we just finished up our Atlanta field trip. Maybe you heard about it and you should have been here. If you were, awesome having you. What, uh, What great folks. We had people from four different countries come to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, we absolutely did. And they're super excited. You know, it's it's interesting when you come into a metro this big because there's really a lot to see and a lot to cover, but the national statistics and the way the market gets presented, a lot of times is very broad brush, broad stroke. And there are so many pockets, there are so many sub-markets and neighborhoods and stories to understand uh, in, you know, in two days, just to try to uncover all of that is a lot of heavy lifting. I mean, we're pretty tired, but super excited. Well, what's really interesting for us, this is our first field trip to Atlanta. We had come a few months ago and done like the pre-trip to get everything set up, but it's different for us. Normally, the field trips that we do are markets we've got a lot of personal experience in. This is a market that caught our attention, and we said, we better go learn about it. And the best way to learn something is to teach it and to go find folks that really know. So we've been in the market now just with some incredible professionals who really understand this market at a deep, deep level. They're doing the thing, and some just amazing stuff came up. And this was not going to be the show topic this week. We were going to do our Ask the Guys show because you've been sending in your cards and letters, which are really all emails. And we're going to get to those because there's some great questions, and you still have time to get your questions to us. Just click Ask the Guys on our website at realestateguysradio.com. But we had a lot of really interesting things come up this week. And let's start with this idea that Atlanta's a big place, right? Six million people or something in greater Atlanta. A lot going on here. The world's busiest airport. There is so much going on, but you can't really say or define what the quote-unquote Atlanta market is, because what it is is it's made up of hundreds of sub-markets, and everyone's different. So one of the things we've heard in the last year is that this is the MSA of the top 20 MSAs, that price values have come down the most. Oh, that's scary. In a year, 17% down. To me, I'm like, oh, wow, it's on sale. Right. right? But is it going to continue to come down and, and so forth? But when we got in the market, we realized that that is such a market-wide statistic that it is drastically different from county to county, from city to city, from neighborhood to neighborhood. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you, you can look at it a lot of different ways. If a bunch of something went sideways on one side of the tracks and nothing happened on the other side of the tracks, the average makes the good side look a little bit worse than it really 
really is. But without that local knowledge, that real understanding of what's making the market behave a certain way at a local level, you really don't know that. And, you know, we found that out when we went to Memphis, right? And the crime statistics came up. And then we go and we find out that the way Memphis measures their crime statistics is a high level of reporting so that they can deploy law enforcement more precisely. And other places do it a little bit less uh, reporting so that it looks better on a, uh, a comparative chart. Okay, well, I mean, at the end of the day, as an investor, what am I most interested in? I'm interested in the lower crime. And it was the same thing here. You know, Atlanta is a marketplace. It shows up in the crime statistics a certain way. But, you know, you spend two days here and you're listening for sirens. You're looking for signs of crime or gang activity. It certainly has its dangerous pockets, but it's not layered evenly like ice or frosting on a cake. You know, it's, it's, there's a lump of it in some places and none of it in another place. And, and then when you learn what those places are, you can begin to make good investment decisions. You know, we always say to ask compared to what, right? This is a good deal or a bad deal. Well, compared to what? On this trip, because we had so many investors from different places and we had folks who had been to many other markets. A lot of folks, you know, have uh, paid us the great compliment of coming back after being on a different field trip. So we had folks who'd been to Dallas, folks that have been to Belize, folks that have been to Memphis who'd come here to see Atlanta and they had an interesting perspective. So what that allowed was that the dinner conversations and on the bus and so forth, people would say, oh, oh, you've been to Dallas? Do you have property in Dallas? Well, well, how does that compare to here? What do you like between this? What's better in Memphis than here? What's better here? And it was really neat to hear those conversations going because part of it is the the presentation part, but there's a magic to being in a market. You can feel the energy and vibrancy of a market by standing in it, not by watching it from the internet. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And markets have personalities. And I think that's really what you're saying. And to me, they're financial personalities. And then there's that kind of the dynamic, the buzz, you get a feel of the direction. Is this a place that has pride in itself? Or is this a place that there's a bunch of angry people that are frustrated? Uh, You know, and clearly all those types of people exist, you know, but we get a chance to hang out and drink a little beer every once in a while. Every now and okay. then. Okay. So my, my thing is, I like to go in and I'm always competing for my favorite beer, right? Constantly. Robert will introduce me to a new beer and I'm like, oh, okay, this one's now new, this one's number two and then I got this other one's my number one. And you're like, no, 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 no. Every beer has a different, unique flavor. There is no favorite. You know, this one tastes better this way. This one tastes better that way. Kind of like you do pairings with wine. I guess they do pairings with beer. Absolutely. Certain beers go better with certain types of food. A lot of beer goes well with another beer. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm just looking at the marketplace thinking, you know, Atlanta has its strengths and weaknesses, and Memphis has its strengths and weaknesses, Dallas has its its strengths and weaknesses, and lots of markets have different personalities. The beautiful thing about coming on a trip, especially when you've been on more than one trip to different towns, then you get a chance to really begin to understand and appreciate the nuances of the particular market you're in, and then develop strategies, teams, and how you're going to approach that market to get the best of what that market has to offer. Yeah, because it's, because like real estate investors are different, real estate markets are different, and the types of properties. I think one of the real wake-up calls people had here was that the affordable houses are much nicer than you would think. Let's face it, Atlanta has had dropping prices for some time, and so houses that used to be 200000 or or 100000 I mean, there's those kinds of sales here, and yet there are good jobs here. There continue to be jobs here. We learned about the net in-migration. A lot of people coming to Atlanta forecast to come here. New jobs 
jobs from big companies, diverse industry. There's no one industry that this place is dependent upon, right. right? It's a very diverse economy. Yeah, it's got the world's busiest airport and they employ 75,000 people or something. But beyond that, there are other big companies and different industries and watching them. The movie industry. Right. How did, who knew that they're filming movies and television production and all that here and that they've made a big effort that we, we drove by the new TV studios. It's like, what do you mean? Television in Atlanta. Not, and not just Ted Turner television in Atlanta, right? right. They're not just CNN and, and TBS and those stations. There's whole film production because the cost of living is low here. The quality of life is low here. The weather is pretty nice here year-round, right? There's four distinct seasons, but they aren't brutal seasons at all. And so it, it, all things line up for a whole new industry to come in. And right in the area where the theaters are, we looked at real estate and thought, Wow, this would be the place to be if that was your was your industry. So we're always looking at who is the tenant, right? You kept asking this when the different property managers and we'd be in a house and you go, you know, who's who's the tenant here? Who's the tenant here? Because you're trying to understand what it is that the that you have a, as an investor have an opportunity to provide. Right. I mean, you want to begin with the end in mind. You know, I want to know what the population is. This is a young population. And that was something that we learned. Well, that's interesting because young people want a different thing out of where they want to live or what they can afford to live in than an older population. And, you know, you want to understand the demographic. You know, is it a high percentage of white collar, high percentage of blue collar? What kind of work is here? What's the personality? Some places you have to have public transportation and you want to invest near public transportation. Other places people really want to be in their car and it really doesn't matter. You want to be near the freeway. Right. Very different. And so when you come into a market you don't know, you have to begin to try to learn those things. Atlanta has a little bit of everything. I mean, it is really diverse. You talked about the diversity in the, uh, the economics and the way that the jobs and what creates the jobs and where the money comes from. A lot of what we call cones or primary drivers, businesses that bring money in from outside and then create the secondary jobs like the, you know, the people who work at the coffee shop or the restaurant or the dry cleaner or the uh, auto dealer or on and on and on and on. Those jobs that wouldn't really exist as those major companies were not bringing in money from outside. A lot of Fortune 500 companies located here in Atlanta. The airport is a big geographic feature. That's not going anywhere, right? I mean, those are the type of things. So you look at things like that, the big infrastructure that is very regional. A lot of things really speak to stability in a market like this. And when you take out the hype that occurred in a lot of marketplaces during the run-up with the mortgage bubble, you take that away, and when all that, that excess liquidity, if you will, kind of recedes, you look at what's left standing, and the businesses and the infrastructure and the quality of life and the things that made Atlanta attractive, that attracted all the capital, that's still here, but a lot of the fluff has gone out, and the good news is the people who got in over their head – that is the foreclosure market that's being cleared out. Those people are going from being homeowners to being renters, but the net population is going up. Well, the inventory of available homes is beginning to come down, and that was a big, big revelation. Well, it's also timing. Now, we're not big believers in market timing you know, on a day-to-day or month-to-month basis, but it just so happens that if you look at the pricing, it's come down pretty consistently for six years here. In the first four months of 2012, prices are up. 
and inventory is down, way down. If we look at the last three years of inventory, houses on the market, it's come down. And what we're really going to talk about today is that very thing. When can you tell a market's turning? There's a point when prices are going down and there's fewer sales. Scary time to be in a marketplace. Eventually, prices drop enough to where now there's buyers coming. When you see an increased number of sales, but prices still going down, that means finally somebody, whether it's a homeowner or an investor, has made the decision, okay, at this price, this makes sense. Either I can afford to live here or the return's going to be there as an investor. Then we start to see prices going up and we see inventory shrinking. That's a clue and that's right where we sit today. So when we come back, we're going to find out what does that mean for folks who are trying to buy here as investors. A lot of folks are coming in from all over the world to buy property in places like Atlanta, but the inventory is getting squeezed. We've heard about shadow inventory. We've heard about the foreclosures coming on the market. What's really happening? We're going to find out when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real Estate Investment Advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. You already know that Dallas-Fort Worth is one of the strongest real estate markets in the country. Now all you need is a great source for turnkey properties. Great news! Wilson Investment Properties has been providing fully renovated, rented, positive cash flow properties to real estate investors for over 10 years. Founder Tom Wilson is an avid investor himself. With over 200 units of his own, you know he understands what investors need. Contact Tom and his team at 888-510-6838, extension 123, or send an email to wilson at realestateguysradio.com. Why is it that in every horror movie, there's a pretty girl who goes into a creepy house and heads down into the scary basement? Nothing good ever happens in the basement. What is she thinking? I feel the same way when I continue to see Americans dump billions into 401ks, IRAs, and mutual funds, even self-directed IRAs. On top of that, they continue to perpetuate the massive U.S. banking system by keeping large deposits at banks and using credit cards and other loans for purchases. Don't they realize what's going to happen? More profit for them and less profit for you. Nothing good ever happens in the basement. Now there's another way. Visit our friends at Paradigm Life by going to www.beyourbank.com and learn how to become your own banker today. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about the shrinking inventory in certain cities today. We're in Atlanta, Georgia, and we just discovered that there are fewer and fewer houses available, which is frustrating for our guests. Let's please welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, Mr. Ken Corsini. How are you, sir? Good, Robert. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for an amazing weekend. Hey, glad to have you guys out here. You were, we were fortunate enough to have fantastic weather. You know, you have tried to get us out here for over a year now and we came actually a few a few months back to check out the market and uh, really we're so impressed we thought let's do a field trip and we had lots of folks lots of great folks show up it's been uh, it's been great and we do, we do appreciate the nice weather that you provided too <laughs> yeah we'll have to pay extra for that <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting because when we last talked and we were in your marketplace and you were kind of explaining the process you go through and let me just give you some background what Ken does Ken and his company they are out there looking for distressed properties you're buying properties that have had problems of 
some kind, probably ownership, financial, sometimes physical, going in and strategically buying those properties in certain sub-markets and then renovating those. you got three crews that are out there renovating property, tenanting them, putting the tenant in, and then providing that to investors. Some of those houses you keep, some of those houses you sell. It's what we call a turnkey opportunity for investors who are busy. A lot of the folks that were here from other states and other countries wanted to see if they liked the market, try to understand what the metrics look like, and so forth. But between the last time we met and this time, the inventory continues to go down. And we had this discussion that came up that I thought was fascinating. We were talking about the shadow inventory, the fact that lenders have taken back property that they haven't wanted to put on the market. But you're a guy that every day you have a team, a dedicated team that looks across the marketplace and maybe comes up with – walk us through the process. A lot of properties are available every day. Right. So we actually employ three full-time people. Their only job is to survey what's hitting the market, what's available, what can we make offers on. And to give you an example, we start the day and, and typically look at about 100 new properties that hit the market. And we funnel that down to, let's say, 10 to 15 properties that we're actually going to go look at, uh, write up scopes of work and analyze whether or not the deal makes sense, and then make four to five offers. And at the end of the week, if we've picked up one or two, that's kind of in line with what we're shooting for. So you take 500 properties in a week and whittle it down to one or two that we're actually purchasing. It's it's a big job to identify the right properties. Well, there's a couple things in there. First of all, you bet it's a big job, and, and hats off to you for that, and you've really got a streamlined system for it. But the other thing that really was a recurring theme this weekend was how important local knowledge is. I look at that from a guy who's not been to Atlanta too often and go, well, I'm betting that, I mean, I've been around real estate. I kind of know the deal, right? I've owned a lot of property, own a lot of property, look at a lot of property, look at a lot of marketplaces. I'm looking at those 100 houses. I'm, I don't know. What do I know? I might whittle it down to 20. I might then decide to make offers on 15, and I might get four, and then there's probably at least two in there I shouldn't have bought, right? right. So, so for someone who doesn't know to try to compete, then you think about, well, someone bought those houses. Who was that? The, the, the person who didn't do this, the homework that you guys do. But what's really happened here is the landscape has changed and that the inventory, I mean, this, this the slide we shared, and if you look closely into your uh, podcast or radio, able to see this, but uh, this slide has shows that we've gone from 50, 60, 70,000 units on the market, which sounds like a lot, but Atlanta's a big place, down to 20,000. I mean, the inventory is shrinking, and now still 100 houses sounds like a lot, but what you're finding that really works in your model is, is less and less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt inventory shrinking, and, and you couple that with the fact that demand's going up, and it's getting trickier and trickier to find houses. Uh, and it's one of the challenges that you know that makes our our job difficult. And you talk about local knowledge. There's a lot of folks that we see coming in from from other markets. And another one of the reasons it's hard to pick up inventory is because they're overpaying in a lot of cases. They're out there looking at houses, and they don't know the submarkets. They don't know the school districts they're in. They don't necessarily know the crime rates of whether or not they should be there. And next thing you know, they're paying too much for a house because they just hear Atlanta's on sale. Let's buy real estate. Let's buy real estate, and they're buying wrong. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a problem we're seeing across the, the different various markets where the, the word has gotten out that there may be opportunity. Uh, but it's just all the more reason why you got to pay close attention. There was a time when it was easy to make money in real estate, right? Today, it's still easy. It just takes a lot more work than people are willing to do. So the few people that are willing to do it put themselves in a better position. But let's talk about the change in the marketplace. Now that you guys, I mean, you know, candidly, you have to work harder today as a company to find that, that needle in the haystack. Right, you're Absolutely. looking at more at more property. So, how is it that you keep your axe sharp enough to make sure you're still getting enough inventory for your business to survive when the landscape has changed like it has? Well, that's a great question. I think part of that was bringing on additional people 
to look at more houses, to vet more deals. Again, to what uh, even six, seven months ago, we might have had one full-time person, where now we're at three full-time people. Uh, even a year ago, it was much easier to find great deals, good cash flows, good comps. But again, with a shrinking inventory and increasing competition, and it's worth mentioning, our competition isn't Joe Blow down the street anymore. It's not the guy that wants to own two properties in Atlanta. It's the hedge fund or the private equity group. It's this. It's the dumb institutional money now that's coming in and just throwing ridiculous money, and they're, and they're okay overpaying in a lot of cases. And so that's our competitor. Well, that's so interesting, because in any industry, when a small player, a small company starts something, comes up an idea, inevitably, a well-financed, bigger, more experienced company comes in and tries to do that, usually not as efficiently, but sometimes they do have the capital and expertise and so forth. And here, you're seeing that these these groups are coming in with big pocketbooks. They got unlimited, maybe not unlimited, but they got a lot of money to be able to do this, and the easiest thing for them to do is to overpay for it. In your model, because you've got to turn over, I mean, really, ideally, the property that you turn over to somebody that's already rehabbed and tenanted is still less than the market value. You're trying to leave some on the bone Correct. for the, the investors. So now you've really got to hone in on that thing. And, and, and you've got, in your model, you've got to be more careful than, than these big guys with big checkbooks are. Right. No, we're, we're small, we're nimble, we're boots on the ground. I mean, that's one of the reasons that we can pick up properties is because we know people, you know, we've got the inside track to certain banks, relationships. Um, we've actually built specific software to identify uh, HUD properties or REOs. And the only way we're getting properties right now is typically being first to the punch or having relationships uh, with either lenders or brokers. Our guest today is Ken Corsini. He's with Georgia Residential Partners. When we come back, we're going to find out the mystery of the shadow inventory. And we're going to play real estate trivia. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We're the Real Estate Guys. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. 
and welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms, learning great stuff here in Atlanta, Georgia from Ken Corsini. What a great market this is, and yet there are certainly challenges, one of which is less and less inventory. Is that how it's going to stay, or is there about to be a whole bunch of stuff dumped on the market? Before we find out about that, let's play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize. We know the answer to today's trivia question in just a minute. I'm going to ask you something, and you're going to hopefully know the answer. When you do, send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The first person with the right answer is going to win an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Then we'll take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for a second book, and that person will also win a copy. We do it that way so that if you're listening on the podcast, you still have a chance to win. Last week on the Real Estate Guys, we had Peter Schiff on our program, and we asked you to name the highest mountain in Greece, and the answer is... Mount Olympus. It's 2,919 meters. So, uh, and of course, you know, Mount Olympus has a great history. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Name the only city in the United States built within a meteor crater. Yeah, there's only one city in the U.S. that is built within a meteor crater. If you know or want to take a guess, just send us that to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Be sure and include your name and mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you your autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate. That is today's real estate trivia question. Name the only city in the U.S. built within a meteor crater. Crater. Our guest today is Ken Corsini. We're here in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, we had this interesting discussion that came up. Everyone's been talking, Ken, about the shadow inventory. And the, the reality is that um, HUD and lenders and a lot of private individuals have taken back properties that they perhaps had lended on and so forth. And the big question is, is it hitting the market? And you had a very interesting perspective. And the reason I want to ask you about this is you're a guy, again, looking at 100 deals a day. I think you've probably earned the right to have an opinion. Well, yeah, I'm definitely no expert, and I know what's being said right now and tossed around in terms of there still being shadow inventory out there. I can tell you, my boots on the ground, I'm not really seeing it. And I've been I've been hearing the rumor for, for years now that there's a shadow inventory coming. Get ready. We're, we're going to get nailed. But here we are three years in a row of declining inventory, and we have yet to see it. And even, uh, let's talk about two weeks ago, uh, we heard a rumor that HUD's about to dump. Here it comes. It's the shadow inventory, and it was a blip. It was maybe a couple hundred extra homes, and and already we've we've blown through it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't see it. I'm and the neighborhoods we're driving through, they're they're not boarded up houses that aren't listed. I mean, it's it's interesting. If it's out there, I haven't seen it. I don't yeah. know where it is. Well, and that's the thing is that I mean, remember the premise of this is okay. The lenders taking back houses, and when they do, most lenders are not able to rent those houses out. Sometimes small community banks and so forth, but most national lenders aren't able to do that. So they've got a process, and and the foreclosure process has taken some time. Part of it, I want to talk about the foreclosure your process in Georgia because it's different than other places. But th- there's this premise that somewhere these houses are being held back. But as you're driving, because you guys you guys physically go out and see these properties, get inside of them, figure out how much work would have to be done if it does, before you can decide if it makes sense for you to make an offer. And, and you're noticing the house next door and the house next door and the one across the street, and there's just not, you, you, the stuff isn't there. Well, that's correct. I and mean, that's a big part of what we do is drive a property, analyze the property itself, but also analyze the neighborhood. And when you're analyzing a neighborhood, if, you know, 10 of your neighbors have boarded up houses, it's probably not a great neighborhood to be in. And we're just not seeing that. 
Now, one of the uh, guests we had uh, during the weekend, we bring in lots of different folks with, uh, who wear different hats, uh, was an attorney. And uh, we talked a little bit about the foreclosure process in Georgia. And there are different ways that foreclosure can happen. But one of the things that we learned here is that it's actually a more streamlined and easier process than it might be in some other places. Right. Atlanta is a, or Georgia is a non-judicial state, which means you don't have to go to court to foreclose on somebody. You, you miss your first payment. Technically, they could start the foreclosure process. And, you know, the folks that I know and, and have seen that have gone through foreclosure, it didn't take six to nine months. It was three months and you're out. Yeah. So another thing to think about is there may very well be markets where there is this shadow inventory. And part of the holdback is the process by which the trustee and the lender have to work for in, in trustee states. And here you don't have that. And so perhaps it's just that simple. But I think the underlying message is that a guy on the ground watching it is noticing a different story than perhaps we're hearing from other sources. Well, that's right. Again, I, I've been hearing about the shadow inventory, and I haven't heard it specifically in Georgia. I can tell you the, the relationships that I have with some of the local community banks, they worked through their inventory years ago. Yeah. It's not around. And so maybe maybe there's one or two mega banks that have some, some inventory they're holding back. But again... What we're seeing in Georgia, it's not evident. Well, let's talk uh, specifically. I want to talk about, you know, when we do the um, the field trips, they're educational trips. They're not trips to buy or sell anything. Even though you guys are in the business of selling houses, which you did a great job of this weekend with the rest of the providers, was just educating people. And we see a lot fewer homes than people think we're going to. It's not a fly-in-buy trip where you come and see a lot of houses. Instead, you guys did a great job of showing us what the drivers were, the industry, where jobs are, what the puck is going, if you will, kind of the future direction of what's happening, which industries are coming into town, who's making announcements. We saw a lot of that up and close and, and, and personal. And, and yet what you do see out there is there are more jobs coming. And how much do you have to pay attention to which industries, which kinds of jobs, and which kinds of salaries are coming into town for you to decide what price range of property you have to go get? That's that's actually a very specific question. It, it, one of the great things about Atlanta is it's a, a number of the jobs that are being created even last year and in the coming year are professional jobs, folks that are going to have decent income. They're going to be able to afford the houses in the areas we're dealing with. But that's not all. The great thing about Atlanta is it's diverse. You can invest in some slightly higher-end A-class properties, and jobs are being created right now to fill those houses. But there's also a market for C-class properties in Atlanta, and there's a whole segment of service-type jobs that are being created right now. You know, Even the airport just added a whole new terminal, created I don't know how many jobs. And the folks that live in town, probably that are looking for the C and B class properties, um, luckily there's there is inventory for them to rent. Yeah, and and we're seeing that there are our rental rates here. The rental rates actually going up. So I look at the market big picture and think, okay, inventory is down, rental rates are up, jobs are now up. And there was a couple of quarters there where jobs were down, but now jobs are up. And a couple of studies that you shared with us are showing there's more jobs coming. We got the announcements from several big companies that there's more factories and, and office headquarters. And there's already 15 Fortune 500 companies here. So it's a big, big marketplace. So when that starts to happen, when you start to see rents going up and inventory gets squeezed, it's kind of a clue, isn't it? <laughs> I would think so. I'm not sure you could find much more of a, a more perfect storm right now. Yeah, it's funny. We actually talked about this, putting the field trip on almost a year, probably just over a year ago, and it just worked out, the timing and everything else, it's now, and we're sitting there looking at the slide going, you know, nobody can tell if it's the bottom, but it sure feels like it. Yeah. Well, we had the graph earlier today, there talk about Atlanta having a declining price point in real estate values, 
But when you look at the, the charts and the areas that we're in, in the price point we're in specifically, it tells a different story. Yeah. Because the, the rental market, you know, let's say sub 150000 has been very flat for a year and a half. And if anything, we're actually seeing it slightly trending up. It tells a different story. Yeah, and you did a great job of showing us that in those price points, it's been it's been pretty solid, pretty pretty secure, and even the blip you talk about wasn't much. But the other part of that is that the quality of life issue here is interesting, right? When when I come in to a town, I'm always interested in who the tenants are, and if I'm going to look at long term buy and hold rental property, it's usually something below median price, right? Just in general, the median price those homes go to you know people are going to live in them, and the, we saw a couple of really amazing neighborhoods that were obviously nice owner occupied neighborhoods, but we got out to see a couple of the houses, a lot nicer houses than I would have expected. I mean, let's talk about the pricing today. It has gone year after year after year of going down. And now you showed us properties that were 70%, 60%, 50% of replacement costs. What it would cost to build that house today, I can buy the house for up to half. That can't sustain for very long. I can't imagine that it possibly could. It's one of the great things about bringing investors to Atlanta. Atlanta sells itself the housing inventory sells itself. I mean, it was it was incredibly satisfying to watch some of your investors walk through our houses and, and see a house for let's say eighty, ninety thousand dollars that would cost one hundred and fifty to build new, and they're telling you, "Wow, this is a house I would live in." That says something about the market. Yeah, it sure does. And you know, knowing the market as well, because the thing about you know your company is that you've identified not just a neighborhood or region. You're in several counties. You're looking at a specific price range that's you know fairly large, but at the same time, it's got uh, it's it's that rental kind kind of the stock. And and yet many of the neighborhoods we were in, like the, I remember one of the houses uh, we went to. I looked around and I'm thinking this doesn't feel like a rental neighborhood. And in fact, it wasn't. Many of the the houses that you guys are selling. Uh, to investors are in neighborhoods where it's mostly owner-occupants. Yeah, well, that's a big part of our due diligence on the front end is to find those those houses, those areas where we can buy, fix, and sell a house to an investor where there's a legitimate exit strategy, where your neighbors own their own homes, where five to ten years down the road, there's a real opportunity to sell it to a retail buyer where you're not just stuck in a property that's only going to be sold to investors at some point down the road. All right, one other thing I want to talk about, and I started to go down this road about the deals and, and not having live deals and so forth, but the day before we showed up, you showed us a pretty uh, interesting deal, and I don't want to talk about the deal specifically as much as the sourcing of it. So tell us this story. You've got a local bank that's taken back some property, and that's a unique relationship that uh, that you have. Again, that goes back to just local knowledge, having relationships, and it was a, it was a good friend of mine who opened up a relationship with a, a local bank president who I was able to get some time with. And, you know, luckily, local banks, are, they're smaller, they're a little more flexible, they're willing to work. And we sat down and looked at some of the inventory they had taken back, and kudos to them. This was a local bank who figured out that it made more sense to rent out their the, the houses they had taken back rather than just sitting on them and letting them decay. And so they were still sitting on these houses, and they needed to do something with them. They were rented, but it was on the wrong side of the balance sheet. And yeah. so we put our heads together with this bank president and said, hey, what, what can we do to, to take this off your hands, to make this work for you. And we, we structured a pretty phenomenal financing plan, kind of beat them up on the pricing, and uh, put together a pretty sweet package of houses. Now, this was uh, kind of outside of your wheelhouse in that these houses really didn't need much work, and they were already tenanted. So it's, but, but it's, again, being in the marketplace and being creative. So yeah. if you had your head down going, no, that's not what we do. What we do is we buy ugly houses and make them beautiful. But instead, you step back and go, wait a minute, the bank has a problem. 
Yeah. Just like every case, what you guys do is solve a problem, right? Here's the neighborhood that had a problem. But one of the houses that, we, that you showed us, the neighbor across the street could not get in fast enough. She's like working That's her right. way. Like, where's your name tag, right? She wanted to come see the house because I could just picture for the last couple of years, she's been looking at this eyesore across the street. And uh, when Dave, your construction foreman, was explaining what the house looked like before, I could just imagine this woman thinking, man, and all of a sudden, last few weeks, what's happened? You guys got the house. It's become beautiful. It's almost ready to, to all practically ready to rent out. And now she's excited about that. It's this whole premise we keep talking about, about healing America one house at a time, which you guys are are on the street doing every day. That's right. Well, and that's one of the rewarding things about what we do is the folks in these neighborhoods like us. You know, it's, it's not like we're the bad guy. We come in there and we take a house that was an eyesore. We fix it up. We stabilize it. We put quality tenants in place. And we create you know, comparable sales that, in a lot of cases, help their values. Yeah, and, and that's really the, the thing. I mean, there's lots of ways to invest in real estate, and you can certainly market into distress, and there's an opportunity there, but it's where you fit in the, in the chain. So, you know, back to the story is that now, rather than just think about the, the problem of that one house, here's a bank that has a bigger problem, a whole bunch of houses, but when you put your creative hat on and go, wait a minute, there's a there's a... There's an answer here. You guys have done some solved some of the problem, which is getting these houses to be rented in the right neighborhoods and done. I'm sure they did some rehab work, probably even those are mostly newer houses. But still, they got the houses rent ready. But now the bank's problem is the bank is not set up to own rental properties. The last thing they want, what they want, is a loan. So you go, well, listen, Mr. Bank, if you would carry the financing on this, if you would provide the financing to an investor or a group of investors, this could turn around and all of a sudden now you have a performing asset. That's right. Um, it's. It was. I was very fortunate to to have the connections that I did to get in with the bank president. And whenever you can walk away from a transaction and it be true win win, which it is. I mean, this is a total win for the bank. It's going to be great for their investors. It's great for their balance sheet. But we put together a package with financing that's off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's the financing. Sometimes it's what you're able to do to the property. Sometimes it's seeing the ugly duckling, right? One of the things that we love to do is see a house, the, the, the before. We didn't get a chance to see too many before houses, and mostly that's because you guys are scrambling for inventory. And you turn them quick. I mean, this surprised me. I mean, having been around a few rehab jobs, what's the average time it takes you to, to once you start on a house, to turn it around and have it ready for a tenant? Well, our rehab time is about two weeks on average. That's about a fifteen to twenty thousand dollar rehab on average, and then to rent it's less than thirty days, which is why it's rare when folks come into town that we have a bunch of houses renovated just sitting there. They right. they lease up so quick. They go pretty quickly. Yeah. So get out the crystal ball for a little bit. You've got a great model and you're you're knocking it out of the park. You're you're doing a great job here and it's really helping the the market. But you now have this competition coming in and the shadow inventory obviously not a problem here. What are the challenges that you see? What are the problems that you face in the in the seat that you're in inventory i mean just getting the, the right uh the right housing stock for for what we're looking for again we're very picky and we're not going to compromise on what we pick up and so we're going to have to work that much harder to get the deals and again that was one of the reasons i was sitting you know in this conference room with this bank president is because i'm turning over stones to find inventory and it just so happened we were able to put this deal together but we're going to continue to do that the deals are out there i don't want to mislead you that they're completely gone you just have to work harder to find the right ones yeah that's a good point you know i mean we saw the chart where here it is the inventory's dropped but there's still thousands of houses and still a hundred today that are that are coming on but i think you bring a, a, a great point it kind of ties into what you said earlier about you know dumb money paying too much at some point you make the decision that i might have to lower my you know expectation in order to to get a deal, but but making the decision that we're not going to lower our standards, we'll just have fewer houses to sell until we can figure out a more creative way to get inventory. I'm guessing some of those other guys aren't thinking that way. They're thinking, well, you know, maybe the house and prices are going back up. So if they're going back up, well, then we'll pay a little more because we can sell them for a little more. And that might be true.
true. We might see this be the turn. But at the same time, when you have a proven formula, a model that works, you kind of don't want to mess with it too much. Well, that's a great point. I mean, at some point, prices are going to increase, and at some point, the the model numbers are going to have to shift. I mean, again, you're looking at declining inventory and an increase in demand. It's basic supply and demand economics. Prices are going to increase. So, it's our job to, to make sure that we wait as long as we can, watch the market as close as we can before we realize, okay, it's all right to spend a little bit more on a house because that's where the market's changed. All right. Well, great job this week, and we sure appreciate your amazing hospitality and the education that you were able to share with our folks. It was an extraordinary weekend. Hey, we thoroughly enjoyed having you. We're going to come back. We don't know when, so uh, we're, we're just we're excited about this, excited about the market, and had a chance to pick Ken's brain here a little bit. So I uh, don't know when the next uh, field trip to Atlanta is going to be, but I'm going to guess we're going to come back here, and it's going to be awesome. So stay tuned uh, for that. Hey, you guys have a great report that you wrote about what's happening in, uh, in Georgia uh, last time we had you on the show. And so if somebody's interested in that, all they have to do is send an email to Atlanta at realestateguysradio.com. That's pretty easy to remember. Atlanta at realestateguysradio.com. And some of the highlights of what we talked about this week and learn more about the market. So, Ken, thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. We'll see you next time. You're turned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. More when we come back from the Real Estate Guys. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Is Investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to ten years. One market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next ten years. And just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased, and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half of replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for seventy dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450 or check us out online at gainvesting.com. Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Listen up. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program from Atlanta, Georgia this week. Russell Gray, great stuff there from Mr. Ken Corsini, huh? It is. It's great. You know, the thing that really intrigued me was this concept of shadow inventory. Because same thing, I hear about it all the time. I read the news the whole time. And to me, whenever you're dealing with uncertainty as an investor, which is something that we are always doing, you have to kind of go, well, what if it does and what if it doesn't? And I was playing through those scenarios as I was listening to Ken speak. And I said, well, okay, so if there, well, let's say there isn't any shadow inventory. So everything that is out there got flushed. And now the market really has put in a bottom in terms of price valuation and things are stable. If that's true, and and the charts that we saw showed that the inventory, available inventory for purchase has been consumed, and we know in this particular market people are coming in, at some point the lack of housing is going to require new build. Yeah. And right now we know that the pricing in the marketplace is well below replacement cost, which means if I'm a holder of real estate and the shadow inventory doesn't exist, I'm looking at builders coming out of the woodwork and driving up through new construction the value of my existing property. So I'm a winner. I like it. But what about the other side? 
So what if there is a bunch of shadow inventory and Ken's working with community banks and he doesn't necessarily know what's going on with the big banks or Fannie Freddie and that inventory is being held back to create the exact scenario I've described. Which, which I, is, I kind of think he hopes happens, right? Even though he hasn't seen it right now, there's more inventory source, but I'm with you. Well, okay. yeah. Okay. So, so now the inventory comes out and the prices go down and people think, oh my God, it's terrible if prices go down. Well, it isn't because now there's more inventory that a guy like him can go buy and it costs less. But all the people that were living in those properties are now what? Homeless. They're renters. (laughs) Looking to be tenants. They just entered the rental pool, which means there's upward pressure on demand for rental properties. Is a builder going to come out and build when prices are going down? Nope. No. So there's no more new inventory coming online. The people who were once living in the existing inventory are out having to join the rental pool. And there's upward pressure now on rents. And at the end of the day, I'm buying cheaper. And the Fed is probably going to come in and try and push interest rates down to stimulate housing. So I'm buying cheaper. I'm getting better financing. I'm getting higher rents. And I have less competition. Yeah, that sucks. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't see a bad outcome. No, that's a good point. And, you know, the other thing about it is that if you're looking into a market to try to time the bottom, it could be a problem. But we, one of the things we, we, we dealt with today, which is great, was the fact that, well, the prices continue to go down here. Okay, why is it, our friend Michael Yesk says, that Americans love to buy everything on sale except real estate? I'm coming in and going, you know what? The prices today are what they were a dozen years ago. I think I missed Atlanta, but you know what? I didn't. In fact, I'm able to come in today and buy at a, t- at a price nobody could ever buy at. How many times can you buy in a market below what it costs to replace the house? You can only do that when there is way too much inventory. As soon as there's not enough inventory, that has to turn around. As soon as the minute it makes sense for one of those builders to build another house, by definition, they build it at replacement cost, which means they've got to pay for the materials and the labor and the land and all that to be able to deliver a house. When there is demand for that, and it's obviously coming, the houses that you buy today below replacement costs are going back up to replacement costs or close to it. You might pay a premium for a new house compared to a 10-year-old house or a 20-year-old house, but then again, the 20 and 30 and sometimes 50-year-old houses here are in cool neighborhoods where it's hard to get new construction, so maybe the trade-off isn't that. But what's going to happen is at some point, you look at the markets across the United States where people continue to move into. This is one of those markets. Every day, more people are born every day people leave the planet every day people decide to relocate and in every marketplace we always look at net migration or more people entering the market are more leaving this is one of the markets that people are going one of the interesting things i put in the workbook was a study by penske right truck rental the number one market one-way rental market where more people are moving taking rental moving trucks into is Atlanta, Georgia, and it has been for two years. Right, right. and That's absolutely true. And so, you know, the only exception to that would be if it's going to be a ghost town, right? If you're in a little town and people start leaving, then prices drop and there's nobody coming in, there isn't going to be any demand. But see, in a marketplace like this where there's mega infrastructure, I mean, there's people coming for sure. You just you just stated that, and we certainly saw the statistics. We know that to be true. 60,000-something jobs coming in 2012. 68,000 jobs coming, but 73,000 people coming. Right. So you say, well, the unemployment rate went up. Well, yeah, it did by a little bit because more people came in looking for jobs than jobs were created. But every one of those people coming in looking for jobs while jobs are being created still need some place to live. But what's bringing them? Infrastructure, right? If you have a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere and people start to leave because the one factory is now closed down or the one military base is no longer there, yeah, the it can go down and it can continue to go down literally to the point where you couldn't give the properties away. That's a ghost town. 
hard to conceive that a mega metropolis like Atlanta, Georgia, with all of the infrastructure, the airport, the freeways, all of the employment, the educational infrastructure, the medical infrastructure, the ports, I mean, really think about the whole picture. It's hard to conceive that it's going to become a ghost town. Therefore, your logic makes perfect sense, which is, yes, it's at whatever point people are going to continue to come, the dynamic is going to force the issue. And no matter which way it goes, to what I said earlier, it really doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's most probable outcomes are favorable as long as you're in the market. If you're not in the market, then the outcome isn't favorable for you. Well, and how much money can you make from real estate you don't own, right? One of our, our motto has always been education for effective action. And even though we, we work real hard to make sure this is not the kind of experience where people are forced to buy anything or even really invited to, it's more about education and, hey, we got some great local folks here with great local knowledge. And we don't guarantee, we don't stand behind, we don't, you know, I've known them for hundreds of years. But what we do know is that they really understand the market. They demonstrate that through their education. And now here's an invitation to do business. And we got people. People buzzing. People are, who came on this trip are very excited about this marketplace. And I think part of the reason is it's very turnkey, right, which is exactly what Ken and his right. company do. But but they also feel like they were able to quickly assemble a team of professionals where it might take you months or years to do that on your own. Right, exactly. You know, as you, as you were interviewing Ken, I was uh, flipping through the surveys we do at the end of every event. And uh, it, uh, it was really exciting to me. And I feel comfortable sharing this now because we don't have an event even calendared, right? So this isn't sales pitch. <laughs> this is just just the way people reacted. This is a doctor and his wife that came in from Louisiana, and, and the gal said, love it, love it, loved it. Can't say enough. Look forward to a long-term relationship with you guys. Wow. This couple came in from Panama, and the guy writes in all capital letters, and it's, like, it's just huge writing. Awesome, superb, great investment. I mean, it's just so exciting. This other guy, who's, he says, sorry, I didn't have any constructive criticism. This was the perfect event for me at this time in my investment career. I'm wow. not sure I remember where he came from. Now, this guy, this is a great lesson here. This guy's brand new from uh, Los Angeles, Southern California. He says, did it meet your expectations more than I expected? What were the most important concepts? Everything's new. My wife should have been here. Oh, yeah. And so he pledges, I'm coming back with my wife in June or July on his own. He's going to come back. Yeah. You know, there's a big lesson there, right? And I, mean, I could go on and on. The surveys are always great. It's so much fun at the end of an event. We read them and we get all pumped up. But here's the point. The things that we do on a field trip, and whether you do it with us or you do it with anybody, I mean, the point is when you go into a market and you meet the people who have the local knowledge, who are in the trenches every day, who know where the pockets of opportunity are, who deal with the tenants, who deal with the lenders, who are, you know, finding out what the inventory is, who understand what the market looks like. If you can go spend time there and then take all the statistics that you've looked up on the Internet and the headlines you've read in the news and go see – is that what I really see? Is that the way it feels? Or could these things be a little skewed? Or is this what I call statistics in a blender? And are there pockets where the statistics really aren't the average? You know, if you took everybody in a room and, and, and added up their weight and did the average, you'd have the average weight. And it could be very well possible that not a single person in that room actually weighed that. Right. In fact, it's probably likely that's true. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the point is, is when you get a chance to get close to the market yourself and see it with your own eyes and ears, you see you see the opportunity. And when you get around other investors from all over four different countries, I don't know how many different states, and you get a chance to talk with them over meals and get their impressions and everybody's learning from each other. That's powerful. All right, so come with us on one of those field trips. Go to our website at realestateguysradio.com. Click on events. Also, one of the frustrations we heard this weekend is people are like, you know what? I'm going to buy two, three, four houses, be out of money. What do I do then? Well, 
The secret answer is the secrets of successful syndication. Coming up quickly, June 22nd, we're going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona, teaching folks how to do real estate syndication, which means putting together money and resources to create a bigger deal than you could do on your own. Probably going to do a case study of that deal we talked about with Ken. So you, if you're interested in learning how to go and be, live beyond your personal uh, savings account and buy, right? A lot of people chasing opportunity. A lot of people want return, but they're too busy to find it. If that's you, this is a great way to make full-time money fast in real estate investing. So go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and come to the secrets of successful syndication. Hey, big thanks to uh, Ken and the entire Georgia team. They did such a good job here. Uh, making us uh, feel welcome. It's great Southern hospitality and some awesome food, some great libations and saw a really awesome real estate market. And I can't wait to come back. We will come back on another trip to uh, Atlanta, Georgia. So make sure you watch the website for that. Next week on The Real Estate Guys, you're going to love the show. Be sure and tune in. And until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of The Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid South Home Buyers, low cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys radio show.